go. There we go. I don't know who's uh, <laughs> who's jumped on. Hi, everybody. It's it's Karen uh, for another session in the Inner Sanctum. We've got a few peeps on Zoom, and I hope a few more people are going to join us today. We're going we're going to Spirit School woohoo, with Claudia. <laughs> Spirit school with and you're a spiritual mob, your spiritual team. Welcome, Claudia. Claudia Watts Edge. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Especially live where you know the feeling is going to just surround us and the and the live questions. And and please feel free to speak up and ask questions. And you know, we'll just see where we'll go round and round, see where we end up exactly well claudia was on the show i can't remember we were just talking about it it seems like yesterday it was probably six months ago it might have been a year ago when was it was it this year <laughs> it was i think february maybe okay it feels like a year ago i don't know maybe may, no it was before christmas so. okay and and claudia was you know sharing her story as, as people do on the shows and she was telling us about her spirit school. She's in spirit school. And I said, and she's written these amazing books. I'm going to read her bio in a minute. And I said, have you ever done spirit school on a live Zoom or on a Zoom? And she said, I have not. And I said, well, let's get that happening, girl. <laughs> <laughs> this is the first spirit school because I think it'd be a great idea. You can sit there in your lounge room and just chat to people and have spirit school. But let yeah. me tell people that haven't met you about what's been happening with you so claudia watts edge had a profound nde in 1984 when she and her baby daughter died together you were giving birth at the time right mm -hmm. yeah and ever since you've been researching ndes and spiritual phenomena claudia has been called a modern day mystic with the ability to pull back the curtains between worlds and the beyond. She's written three award-winning books, including two books called Gifts from the Edge, which I absolutely love because of that pun with Claudia Edge. I think that's so great. <laughs> Stories from the Other Side and a second book, Lessons from the Other Side and continuing series of dream experiences in a place she calls Spirit School, where she's given connect pieces to the spiritual puzzle to be shared with the world through parable and short stories and you've had a, another book released uh, called we touched heaven it's a, it's a global connection of transformational spiritual experiences and is getting you say it's getting nods from the nde community yeah. <laughs> <laughs> including dr raymond moody who called it terrific yeah, <laughs> yeah. so yeah, so Claudia messaged me. We've been yakking for about 15 minutes online already before we went live. But, um, you know, what are we going to talk about today? And I said, I don't know, we'll just go with the flow. But we've got a few things in mind. How to speak to spirit, you know, consciously. How to maybe how to remember your dreams, what the spirits have been teaching you. But do you want to share your story briefly with people that haven't watched the show? Sure, sure. You know, as we were just talking about the the nods from the spiritual community, it's it's a big deal to me because I was I felt like I was on the outside looking in for so many years, and I'll tell you why as I progress with the story. But um, I just I I came back from my near death experience feeling like I didn't have the total story. 
So I'll begin. Um, in 1984, I was pregnant with my fifth baby and it was just about time to give birth um, within a, a couple of days. And I went into a contraction that did not let up. My stomach was hard as a rock. And after about six hours, I started feeling like my baby might be in some kind of distress. And I decided I better go to the hospital. It was an intuition and I had followed several uh, within this story that saved my life. And so one of the things I wanted to impress upon the audience is, you know, listen to your gut. You know, those intuitions, those feelings are, are there for a purpose. They're, you know, a way for us to uh, stay away from danger or, you know, or help save our own lives, our own skin. You know, it's like, um, don't go there. Don't step in that, that elevator. Get to the hospital. You know, those, uh, those little nudges are important. So I followed that nudge and went to the hospital, um, knowing I really wasn't in labor, but that I, I really wanted some attention. And after a little bit of discussion, they, they put me in a gown. And uh, as, I was, as I was putting on the gown, I noticed some blood start to drip. And to be very graphic, um, it was like a bucket suddenly released from uh, just down my legs, my feet, the nurse's legs, the floor, the walls of the room became uh, just like a horror movie. <laughs> it was, it was awful. And it did hurt, but I roll. Um, of fear and question and, you know, uh, this guttural sound. And I was looking around wondering what kind of strange animal was making these noises of fear of watching, you know, this, this take play. And they, they finally got an intern into the room because they told my doctor I wasn't in any kind of active labor. And so don't worry about it. And so there was really nobody around in when this crisis happened within being in the back room for about two or three minutes is all I had really been in the hospital. And so um, when the intern came in and took a, took a look at the walls and the condition of the room and our shoes and everything else said, this woman's got with around two minutes of blood left. I was bleeding out so quickly. Um, they ordered a crash cart and he took a scalpel and began to cut me from stem to stern. They do it, um, uh, not the little bikini cuts that they do now for, for cesarean, but, and because it was so dire, my arms and legs were held down. I didn't have any kind of um, anesthesia, any kind of good drugs, <laughs> um, even, not even an aspirin, not oxygen, not anything. Um, it was complete surgery in the raw, and my daughter had perished. Um, she had drowned in my blood, and I was shortly um, pop in hearing and seeing her. Um, sorry, this it touches me every time. This lifeless body of my child. Um, I had just had enough. Um, they had been wrapping my intestines to get to the uterus. They were moving organs about within me and wrapping my intestines in a 
like a garden hose. I didn't know what the, it was at the time until I realized it was like, oh my goodness, these, those are my intestines. And the pain was horrible. And uh, that's when I popped out of my body. And I found myself in a place of, and I choose my words carefully, um, because earth words are really hard to convey such a wonderful, magnificent place. But when I use my earth words and I say it was completely dark, um, I couldn't see anything. I didn't see light or another person or my own body or anything. I was completely wrapped within the most marvelous I go back there of that of that feeling of being taken care of by an intelligence that knew me that knew everything about me knew me intimately um, what my needs were and i was so safe and secure within that i've described it um one time speaking at ions to christine here that is part of the salt lake ions community um, that and it was right around Christmas time, and you know the commercials of the chocolatier. They've got the the melting chocolate and that silky, luxurious um, dripping, you know, from the spoon. It it just had that beautiful quality to it, and it was enormous. It was a it was um, so vast. And someone um, asked me or told me that it was possibly what we would call the void and i said i don't i can't call it the void because to me the the word void means it was missing something and this was not missing anything it was full and rich and it was everything it was a nothingness and an everythingness all at the same time and i i don't know how long I was there. I could have been there for eons. It was so perfect. I didn't want to go back, but I heard an, a nurse calling. I heard her voice and the human voice at that point was completely irritating. Um, I was, uh, I just wanted to crawl deeper into the darkness and fold it over myself like a, like a wonderful blanket and to get away from this voice that was calling me back. And she was telling me that I had a baby girl and that, that she had lived and that I needed to come back to her. And I didn't believe them. And they finally, you know, they were taking snapshots of Polaroids to try and put them in front of my face to prove to me that I did have a child. But as soon as I tried to form the words, um, to reach back within a humanness, to find a voice where I could say, I don't want to come back. I know, I know my baby's gone. Those, um, those type of thoughts were forming and I was trying to bring them forward. Um, I ended up back in my body and it's, it's tough. I've had, you know, this was my fifth baby. I had four beautiful other children at home and i've been asked and it's it feels really selfish as a mom who loves their kids so much but the pull to go home to be home is so strong 
you know, that, that when you're shown that your children are, are going to be okay in this decision to come back, it's, it's really hard to, to, um, to, to break free of that urgency and that want and need to, to be back home. And um, that, was, that was rough for me. It, I've heard of other people who have gone through a kind of a depression afterwards and at that point, you know, they were handing out all kinds of prescriptions for what I went through because it totally destroyed um, my inner cavity, my female parts, everything, because what had happened is the placenta got really hard and full of blood and, the, and it got to a certain point and it ruptured and exploded within me. They called it living shrapnel. And so this was going to be my last go around in pregnancy and birthing another child, which was, which was fine, really. <laughs> Five was enough. But, um, you know, it completely changed my life. And as I, and because I had bled out, I was in the hospital for a really long time, receiving uh, blood, like every few hours, you know, they'd come in and I became a, like a vampire in my need and want for this this life-giving liquid and because as I was dying I felt myself getting smaller and going backwards and I realized in previous studies of um, near-death experiences I'd heard of this tunnel and I thought oh my goodness this is how that tunnels formed the walls were becoming more fluid and I was losing my vision but I could hear everything. I could hear pockets of in conversations all through the hospital. And so, um, so one of the things I wanted to leave the audience with is dying was really easy. And I, and it's, um, sorry, but I had someone one time say, I'd love to have, uh, or I wasn't lucky enough to have a near-death experience. And I thought, lucky enough, <laughs> it's kind of <laughs> like, you know, you do have to die to have it, right? So, um, but- dying, dying is easy, it's living that's hard. <laughs> there you go. You know, and, and, you know, I can't speak for the act of it. It was over very quickly for me. But what I did want to speak to was the fact that when I popped out of my body, there was no fear or mystique of what, where am I? What am I doing? What, you know, where's my body? Where's my anchor? You know, any of those kind of things. I was so completely me. Uh, every thought, you know, to be arguing back and forth in my mind with the nurse and everything's all me. <laughs> you know, it was, it, um, I was who, who I was with just, I had just left my body and it was really familiar and it was really easy and the act of floating and going because I spent some time in the hospital before I ended up in in my last place of of my vast oh I know what I where I was going someone that was that told me that it was the void I didn't like the word I I ended up calling it the vastness because yeah. it was so much of everything yeah so yeah, yeah. yeah the but vastness. the the experience um and because because um i had died documented that i had died i was more 
spray is what they told me and and the circumstances of being held down and and no um, drugs in my system or anything was um, a good case study for a near-death experience and so i was being asked all kinds of questions the days following of um as i was recuperating and sitting like a vampire waiting for my blood i was also contemplating where i had been because i had read near-death experiences before and mine wasn't like anything i had read before and karen we were talking earlier before we thought to turn on our recording you know of of how hard it is when when you haven't studied near-death experiences or or you know had had um any words to describe what it was that you went through and who do you talk to about it that you know it doesn't want to put you in a rubber room you know i mean we are so much more accepting now but in those you know mid 80s um you know there had been a few of raymond moody's books and and you know um people are just beginning to talk about it but there wasn't a sharing of, of this knowledge place. back then yeah this is something i hear so often claudia with people that i talk to you know on the shows and in person people that i meet and clients uh and you know one of the people i had on the show susie spoke about the three waves of volunteers which dolores cannon um spoke about as well but susie had you know she was with her galactic family and they spoke they told her when she was a child they spoke about the three waves of volunteers and the second wave were the communicators they were people that had either et or spiritually transformative experiences that were here to talk about it and, and you know these irons conferences that we were talking about these mm -hmm. conferences like th there's a whole you know thing set up so that people can share their experiences and talk about this stuff so that other people can learn because um yeah i think that the most potent way of learning anything is listening to somebody else's experience mm -hmm. we were talking on the facebook group uh, you know matt was saying that he likes to have the science because he was talking to his dad and his dad needs proof and needs science and you know to make this stuff real it's got to fit into this box of what we understand as science and and uh and i said the best way to know that something's real is to experience it <laughs> really I yeah mean, really. Yeah. yeah pray for the spiritually transformative um experience and not the near death <laughs> they're both they're they're both equally wonderful but you don't have to die for one of them <laughs> yeah absolutely well all of us can have you know so-called near-death experiences in that we can commune or be with spirit and and mm. and have memory of that you know so sort of moving on from your near-death experience you right. said on the show that you felt uh, after listening to so many people's transformative experience mm -hmm. you felt like you hadn't like you know had this amazing experience you just were in the vastness or the the vastness mm -hmm. of the void or you don't want to call it the void but what and just had the feeling and knew you were out of body and knew you weren't your body and everything but you sent that desire into life to know more and then you started receiving the lessons from what yeah. you call spirit school which we're in today we're in spirit school kids spirit and school. what was the first which is which is you leaving your body at night like we all do 
and having lessons with spirit. But, you know, the difference between you and the rest of us is you have full, you have memory. Like we're all in spirit school at night, Mm. but we come back and we kind of don't remember unless we do. What was the first memory that you had of spirit school? Like what was your first lesson? It seemed like I was brought into it a little bit of kicking and screaming, like slow little bits. So I don't have one big memory like a complete spiritually transformative experience. What I got was a word whisper to me of service during the middle of the day. And I joined hospice. I was trying to figure out what I could do. So I volunteered hospice. So I was on a trajectory of, of, of seeking and asking because I was really upset with the fact that I felt my experience was going to be looked at as something negative. And so I didn't talk about it. I didn't talk about it for like 25 years and I pushed it down, but I would, I would ask you know, I feel like something else went on and why am I not, um, why don't I remember? Why don't I understand? And that's when I started to have the vivid dreams. And so to your question, Karen, it was like the first one that really, really, um, because I was being slowly brought into lucid dreaming and the way that uh, as I'm looking at a screen in front of me now, as we dream and we're kind of watching ourselves in these situations, I noticed at the very top of my screen was a weird character that was all dressed up and looking for attention, doing weird movements and dances or whatever. This particular night, it was of a fairy of all things. And it was a, it was a chubby man with a with a, cigar hanging out of his mouth and a hairy back and a wand and the whole little um little outfit of a fairy princess flying and just twirling and doing the weirdest things and and when I got my attention on him he held up a billboard that said look at me pay attention to this and that's when he would take me to what I call spirit school so long explanation to get here Karen I apologize Um, but I would go to a place in between, um, that, that was clearly labeled. It wasn't labeled spirit school, but the class that we were, that I was to attend was clearly labeled. Um, one, it would say cause and effect, or we're entering a room of choices or, um, us, them, we, it was a a lesson on humanity um, and the way we experience and learn things. And it, um, so many, and I, so I've written all of them in, in the book because I can really dig deep in the books and really explain um, everything that I saw, felt, and, and heard in those experiences. But I was also, um, I was just going to say the word warned. I, I don't know if that's entirely fitting, but I was certainly shown that what I was attending was a way for me to bring back what I was being taught. I'm a storyteller. Um, This is how I teach. This is how I talk to my children and my poor husband who tells me I have to tell him a story about everything before I can get to the meat. But that's just, that's me. And so I would be given a complete story of how things worked 
that it that I would warn that that's not the way exactly the way it is, but it's a way that my human brain could understand the vastness, the bigness of the lesson that I was being taught, our purpose for being here, why we don't have all the answers at once, what is the veil, you know, all, all of these things, but they would come in these courses that were delivered in my sleep, my body laying in, in bed, and I'm off in, a, in lucid land with my guide, I want to say my beloved guide, because I wanted to know who he was, and it took a lot of time and a lot of practice. Um, to get well, to that's know. that you've just hit on a great question. What is the veil? Did they give you a explanation of what is the veil and how the veil works? So with many people that have had NDEs or spiritually transformative experiences, they talk about having this remembering of who they are. Like, oh, I felt like me. I remembered who I was. I realized that I'm this. And, you know, they have these revelations. All of the pieces fit. Oh, and- that. <laughs> And then you come back into your human body and your linear mind perspective and you you fall under the veil, the veil of forgetfulness. So I'd love to hear their spirit school explanation of the veil. Well, um, what I was shown as far as, and it kind of reached into a lesson, um, uh, let's see, what wholeness, I can't remember the name of school. Did I write that one down? Um, oh, pieces of the whole. Was an, was an explanation of God, who God is and our um, relationship to. And what I was shown is that when we gained our individuality, because we are all, we're all God, we're all pieces of God with an absolute indiv- individual um, mind and um, agenda, uh, our learning process and everything is our own but we are given this wonderful gift of free will. But the veil is necessary when we come down because we, oh, our souls are so magnificent. We're huge and awesome and we're wonderful. And to to come here and take on an experience of starvation or, you know, being the betrayal or of you know, offering yourself to be a victim of murder or, you know, for someone else's experience that needed to, to be the murderer this time to play that role. It's a, it's such a, I mean, it's such a rabbit hole discussion because we can, you know, we can go really deep with that, but our, we're here as the, as God in the physical. And so there's no way that we would come here because earth, is a rough place. It's it's a hard one. It's tough. Um, there are many many um, planes of existence to learn and grow. Many different worlds and many different um, teaching experiences. But Earth is like, you know, you're coming here like a rock star um, because of the duality and the hardship and and whatnot. Our our ability to, um, ex- it's like an accelerated spiritual, spiritual experiences. You can get a spirit, a lot of spiritual growth, which is what we're trying to obtain. We're trying to get ourselves back to God. And so we go through, through these experiences, but back to the veil, you know, keep trying to jump back onto the path is 
there's no way we would put up with this nonsense. You know, it's kind of like if we knew it's like, I'm going back home, this is rough. You know, the first time I couldn't make my rent or I'm stuck in the desert with no gas in my car or, you know, whatever. The first, uh, it's like, I'm out of here, I'm going back home. And so we, you know, we rose our, we raised our hand and said, I'll volunteer. Yeah, I'll put myself through that. Okay, okay. You know, because we love our creator so much. We're foot soldiers here and we're glad to do it for our creator. And so that veil is really important. So for us to get these little pieces or the or or, or the talk of the thinning of the veil is really awesome to be here and those of us who who are just being led to seek more and more and and kind of just erase that darn veil you know and still stay here <laughs> and I, well that's exactly right what you said before with so many people that had near-death experiences when they come back they they're you know they're on in that sort of human experience of limitation and they're they're struggling because they had this experience of revelation and freedom and joy and bliss and love and connection. And here we are in separation and they're like, get me out of here. So the veil was put in, was put in place because if we had remembering, we wouldn't, we wouldn't stay. We wouldn't stay and do what we said we wouldn't say. But did they explain to you how the veil is? Because it's a question I've had and I'm getting pieces all the time because um, I have quite a technical mind it's like exactly how how do you squeeze this enormous spirit consciousness into a human body and what's the the tech like how, how do you make people forget how does that work and they've mm. said to me that it is connected to the physical body and our DNA mm -hmm. the fact that our DNA has yes. been deactivated and um, it is connected to the pineal gland but anyway did they kind of talk about how the veil operates not necessarily as scientific as you would love it okay. to be but i i will use an example of my own granddaughter um you know you've heard the stories of children who who remember or who they you know you're holding them and they're looking off to the side of the room like they see somebody or they're seeing something my own little granddaughter came up to me one day about four four and a half years old and she says grandma I don't, I'm beginning not to remember heaven anymore. And it really surprised me. You know, I, I, it's like, I mean, I get goose pimples of how serious she was. She said, I used to be able to close my eyes and I could just be there. And now I just, I, I, I'm scared I'm forgetting heaven. And it was just so innocent and so beautiful. And what I've heard, um, through my own experience and then listening to other experiences and your other guests on your show is that it seems somewhere around four or five years old and and i've heard kind of a scientific as the as the bones to the skull or whatever are knitting back together perhaps it's that open soft spot i mean i you know that's a guess for me but i think it is right around in those in those uh those years and perhaps our dna you know having closing the skull and closing our openness um but uh yeah the veil is really necessary for us here but we all know it's it's 
fleeting. It's going, it's thinning. It's thinning. Yeah. So we talk about the thinning of the veils. And as you say, you know, little babies and children often have more access to who they are as spirit and Mm. where they come from. And then it starts to close off about four. But when we talk about the thinning of the veil, so we're reopening to that connection to spirit. And it's interesting, it's interesting that, you know, uh, this conversation is when we reopen to the magnificence of who we are, are we still Mm going to want to be here? Because, you know, there are a lot of people who do open to that magnificence of who we are that like, this is too hard. So there is this evolutionary and process that we go through as humans and that we understand that we have given this experience to ourselves to Mm -hmm. challenge ourselves, Mm -hmm. to learn, to grow. And so when we do open to the magnificence of who we are, we want to stay here to see it through and to take the challenge. It's kind of like I often talk about life like climbing Mount Everest. You know, you have the possibility of like losing all your fingers and dying on the edge of a mountain, not breathing because of the air. Like it's a challenge people give themselves. And Mm -hmm. like you're halfway up the mountain and you think, God, this is too hard. I don't want to be here, but you're here. Right. <laughs> so like finish the challenge. Yeah. And and would just crawl on fingertips to get to that summit, you know, rather than just give up, you know, I don't exactly. know. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I was part of a group and I'm trying to think of his name, Rod McCallan, I think it is. And I apologize if I've, but he wrote a, an op piece that I put in. Um, we touched heaven and basically it was saying, you know, we're here, you know, this is the lifetime we chose this, this lifetime we're in right now is the next lifetime as we were planning and, and wanting to be here. We're in that next lifetime. Next time I want to do this. And so we plan for it. We wanted to be here. You know, we want the adventure. We want the spice we want to do. We have specific tasks that we want to accomplish Um, We have contracts with others. I mean, the complexity of of this tapestry of every lifetime that we spend and the weaving of the lives together and who comes here first to be mom and who, you know, who's going to be your neighbor and and, an influencer or that teacher that's going to come and influence your life. It's, it's, um, now when I say plan, you know, I don't want it to sound cemented in stone because it's, it's the idea of what we want to accomplish but we're unique we're unique and we also have our our uh, self-choices and and our greatest gift of free will and we can can change it up anytime and go you know what I just don't want to play with with in that yard anymore with that person or whatever I don't want to marry him I'm gonna go marry somebody else yeah but you know uh Angela says exactly um uh uh, uh I was yeah telling you that I was at dinner last night with some people I had met some new people that live you know down the road that are into this conversation and um we had mutual friends and we'd never met before I'm like wow but one of them had said to me Oh, I'm not coming back. You know, I hear this so often. Oh, I'm not, I'm not coming back. I'm not coming back. And I said, why aren't you coming back? Oh, you know, and she was about to go into a complaint. And I said, who's to say that you're not already back, that you're not already existing in a future yeah. earth? And then she goes, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love that. Kristen, yeah. did you, Kristen's got a question. Did you want to oh, come yeah. on and ask her a question, honey one? You want to come on camera? 
Yeah, I don't, I don't mind coming on camera. Um, well, so in this conversation, and I've asked this question a lot, um, being in this group with Karn for several years now, that, um, you know, when are we cheating then when we learn these things like you're teaching us? I mean, I, you know, I have a like an unending curiosity to know about the beyond all the time. And I don't know if that's part of my life purpose or what, it doesn't matter. But, mm -hmm. um, but you know, I've, I've had it for many, many, many years. But then I go, oh, now I know these things. Am I cheating? Like, <laughs> I love it. I love the question for sure. I mean, or, or is someone going to be left behind because they have absolutely no curiosity of it? It's like, hey, you guys go have your conferences and everything. And why? I, I mean, it's been posed to be my by one of my children. It's kind of like, why are you so fixated on death? And, you know, all of those kinds of things. And I'm like, I'm not fixated on dying. I'm fixated on the wonders of the afterlife. And what my, why am I here? What, I mean, what am I supposed to be accomplishing? You know, is there this big summit that I'm, you know, supposed to be, you know, climb to get to the top to, you know, before I'm done or whatnot. And it's like, it could be, and is usually as simple as just being here. And especially in this time in the world of just being a light bearer and just being that spark of higher vibration in your particular neighborhood, you know, be, that just that just knocks out the negativity around you that you're so bright that you're just so necessary that you don't have this big, you know, I mean, for me, writing my books is wonderful. Um, I know that I contracted to do it, but I'm not any more um, elated um, i'm looking for words but exalted whatever enlightened because i accomplished that i just did that my accomplishment i think right now is is being a teacher is being that form of light for my grandchildren even and the opportunities right here just to to talk to like minds yeah and so when you were asking it's like are we cheating it's like absolute i don't think so absolutely not because our main goal is wanting to get back, you know, we've been broken off of from creator. And our yeah. ultimate goal is, to, is we want to get back. But in order for us to, to vibrate as high, as, I mean, there's no way that we could attach our lower density self to, you know, the, the oneness and allness of, of God. It's like, you know, we got to go through some stuff to yeah. get there. And so, I think we're just going through the stuff in a little bit more accelerated fashion is all. Yeah. It's yeah. interesting it's hearing you say, you, you know, people say, why are you so obsessed with death? You know, mm -hmm. this is the whole thing. Death has yeah. been so, I mean, look at Hollywood, the Grim Reaper, you know, the whole concept of death has been so damned in this world. You know, the sadness of death, the tragedy of death, the horror of death. I mean, every horror movie is made about, you know, people trying to escape death, like running for their lives. And um, death is just that reminder of who we are as brilliant genius creators. And when we remember that, we can take those lessons and bring it into this experience and, and 
you know, the lessons from like spirit school or from death or beyond or spirit or the other side, it's, um, yeah, look, I've heard so many times and in another show I had recently that Jesus came um, because he wanted to teach people about the other side. He wanted to teach people about, you know, that was his major lessons. There is no death. There is no death. Um, and remember who you are. It's that thinning of the vows that we've spoken about. Angela has a question too. Did you want to come on and ask your question, honey one? Yeah, I don't mind. Yeah, Hi. Yeah. <laughs> Hi there. How are you today? Looking I'm great. Gorgeous. Thank you for being here. Awesome. So my question is, um, once you have that experience where you know about the magnificence of the other side, how have you been consistently able to ground? Because mm. I find that to be a challenge for me now because I'm so tapped in that I can just take that breath and be off. Mm. You know, in that mm. in that dialogue with the spirit side, I can be just captivated in that energy, feeling that energy in a moment, just like that. So it's been a challenge for me to stay grounded. I take my walks out in nature and I've been... Um, conscious of the way that I eat, because I know that those things can help um, ground the self, ground the physicalness. But yeah, I'm just curious to know how you were able to ground, because you had such a fantastical um, experience that I would imagine that it was difficult to uh, be in the physical once you had that, that experience. You know, I started um, in my talk about the near-death experience and all the hospital stuff, I started to say, you know, I, because of the horrificness of my exit, um, you know, I was given pain pills and that. And it was like, it would have been very easy. And this is 1984. So, you know, in those years, it's like here, you know, here, I see how easy it would have been because when I took that pill, I, I could at least be in the la la of, of it because I was still trying to put it all together. And I had four kids running around and a new baby that was, you know, being placed beside me. I couldn't nurse her. It had been so long, you know, that that was impossible, but just to try and, and in my illness to, to bond with this brand new baby. And so it's like, that would have been really easy. And I understand um, how I really think there are that, and this is my opinion, right? I generally do not offer an opinion, but you know, when we are are take or it, it taking some of these drugs, I can't believe I'm saying these things, but in the show, but you know that 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 la la feeling is kind of wanting to achieve a little bit of you know that feeling again, that um, that that ease, that lightness that we feel, and so when when you, I love how you say you you know you go in nature and you take walks and everything i mean did you have an experience or a spiritual transformative experience or has this been a, a learned thing that you've just been um studying just pro, 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 progressively grown into it progressively wow. opened up to it i didn't have that that stark um pivot uh, experience mm -hmm. it's been progressive for myself yeah, yeah so I just as, I've, as i've so grown in yeah. Yeah. As I've grown in that space, I just noticed that that's uh that's been a challenge for me um, over mm -hmm. time because I can just sit. I don't typically watch a lot of television. I read a lot of books, and so I can even get sucked into those books and 
and journey off in a moment's notice. Yeah, that is so awesome. I what a what a magnificently strong, amazing soul to when you're drawn to the books or the, yeah. the Zoom meetings, the conferences, all of those things, just on on your own rather than um, oh, I don't want to make light of you know an instantaneous uh, experience, but but. Um, it, it just it makes me I wanted to just say I honor, you know, your role here and how because, you know, it, it, it's not like a religion you were born into, you had to practice it and learn it and grow, you know, and grow your own mustard seed, so to speak. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, for for me, I, you know, I wish I could remember the day where it was just like, never did I have a thought ever again that didn't include the afterlife like mm -hmm. um like that every everything that I did and thought and said contained God in it you know it's like those days when I was just um easily numb you know and just running through my life and doing and then suddenly it's like everything I look at every leaf on the tree every the neighbor child's you know screaming and it's like no no love you know <laughs> or whatever it's like um as that incorporates into who i am those mm -hmm. thoughts you know it's like i don't know i think i know i'm wandering here but possibly just our own grounding of 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 our own strength uh, as we as we seek and grow because i don't yeah. know one real way do you, what do you do at night before you go to sleep? I mean, do you? Uh, I, I typically meditate before I go to sleep just to, so, just to settle myself. Yeah. Do you yeah. have a lot of like amazing dreams? And I mean, um, typically I don't remember them. Sometimes I do, but typically I don't remember them. And, and I'll have to tell you this, I'm, I'm barely even sleeping now. Like I sleep so little now. I, I feel like as my vibration rises, I sleep less and less. I have to sleep awesome. less and less. I may sleep like just a couple of hours uh, during the night, but yeah. You should journal just even your thoughts, you know, just yeah. you'd be amazed at your own growth. When I go back um, 10 journals ago, you know, it's kind yeah. of like, oh my goodness. That, that is helpful. That is helpful. Yeah. yeah. Such a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you too. Um, I want to address that question if I may. Uh, I think that, you know, people talk about grounding, 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 but I think that one of the things that we get to experience when we have that connection to spirit is the um, power of our choices. Because as humans, we think that we have no choice over how we think and feel. This is happening to me and I'm feeling bad and I can't feel better because this is happening to me. So we look at the outside world as Victor. dictating as dictating how we think and feel. And, and I think it's the same with spiritual experiences. When you're in a, um, in a heightened sort of um, feeling that feels so euphoric and beautiful, you know, you can have the choice to come back down or you can have the choice to stay there, but it is a choice. And, and it just depends on what you want to do with your life. Like, do I want to sleep? Do I want to cook the dinner? Do I want to communicate with the kids? You know, do I want to do things... And we can switch, like this is something I learned being on radio, actually, because when I was first on radio, 
we had to do the panel. It was community radio. So we had no technicians doing it for us. And then I'm having guests, you know, across, you know, physically in front of me and I'm tuning into them and I'm talking to spirit and they're talking to spirit. And then I'd have to come back and put on a commercial and put on a song and do the panel. So I thought, how am I going to swap between these frequencies? Like I'm in a different frequency when I'm communing with spirit to um, operating a panel, you know, and, and making sure everything's on time and checking the clock and then and then conversing with my and I thought I'm never going to be able to master that and you know I did and it was exhilarating and exciting and we have the ability to swap and change like brainwaves we're not one brainwave we're kind of we're all these different brainwaves going off in our head all and we can just slip between different like like that it's like it was I have to say, I spoke at a million miles an hour when I was on radio because I was in this heightened like state and everything was happening mm, so fast. And, yeah. 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 But it, I, I feel like I'm in the practice stage of that right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was I'm so, fleshing that all out. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I'm doing it now because we're live streaming. So I'm looking on Restream and who's asking questions. And then I'm looking on Zoom and who's asking questions. And then I'm looking on YouTube and Facebook. And so I'm going between these platforms. I'm tuning into the conversation. I'm also having a conversation with the mob. So like it's, you know, we are multidimensional and we can choose what we're flowing in any moment. And it can happen so fast. Yeah, so fast. Well, I, I remember. Think- Mm-hmm. sorry you keep going oh no I just I remember when I was young when my daughter was young and I'd be in a, a certain frequency and I'd be just gone and she'd be like mom mom and then she said like you're ignoring me you're ignoring me because I kind of wasn't back like what you're speaking to yeah. me do you know what I mean I wasn't just a snap back right right yeah. right yeah. Yeah. yeah or I will feel bad when I think I'm just in this wonderful mood right I'm just in this and I'm in my car and someone, you know, hurries and darts in front of me or whatever. I've got to slam on my brakes and those words come out of your mouth. It's like, oh, man, you know, it's like, darn them for, for lowering my vibration. But I think, I think when you, your core is, you know, again, my opinion, but I feel like my spiritual core is vibrating at a pretty darn good um, lightness. And so as humans, we have those you know, you boil over dinner or whatever it is, you know, and, and uh, yeah. I was kind of like that, that throw of horrible words that you go through and, and then go, okay, back. So I think, I think it's possible, right, Karen? I think what you, I yeah, it does take practice to, it's a bit like, I remember somebody asked Esther Hicks, you know, the teachings of Abraham, when it was an Australian actor and he was a brother of a friend of mine. So I remember the conversation. Um, like when you're taking on the role as an actor and maybe you're playing a bad guy like the murderer and now you're donning that vibration is that affecting your manifestational state you know like if you're donning a negative vibration and Esther said so beautifully or Abraham through Esther said no because it's you're practicing switching vibrations so in the moment in the moment that you're the actor you're the bad guy you know, you're there. And then as soon as they say cut, you're like back to like happy, like, yeah. No. And so you're practicing moving in and out of different frequencies and vibrations and moods and emotions, because you're the controller of this, you know, like you're in control of this. 
we're in control. Well, and I yeah. guess in the experience realm, it's also experiencing each different vibrational level too. It's like, or, or, you know, what right. felt the best, you know, right. do I really want to hang here in this lower one? You know, it's like, exactly. I'm sure exactly part of the experience to exactly. recognize that, Hey, I just dropped a bunch of, yeah. here, right? exactly. And I think that <laughs> they're in the Sopranos. <laughs> Yeah, I think that, you know, when we get in those negative vibrations, it's so overwhelming. We feel like we can't get out of it. We can't shift, but we can. And that that's the, you know, that's the beauty of having spirit teach us because they understand that we are a choice in everything. It's harder here because we have access to denser, um, to denser uh, you know, energies here. But there's a few questions somebody asked on, on um, Karen Doyle says, no cheating, ha, ha, ha want to go be part of seeking God that was in reference to Kristen's feeling like she was cheating and spirit watcher says are some of our choices we have made planned beforehand um do you want to talk about that Claudia sure I um it's one that I've talked about a, a bit recently so if you've heard me before I, I I don't mean to repeat myself but it's an important one and it, I was in spirit school. I was brought with my um, spirit guide and we were standing under a, a classroom, the door to a classroom. And it said, um, this is the room of choices that we were to, to be entering. The, um, the name of the class itself was the progression of choices. And I was with uh, someone in my, of my equal um, spiritual, um, you know, I'll use the word soul group or as far as spiritual advancement, someone that was on the same level with me, someone that I had known for eons of time. And he was um, going to be my son in this life. Um, and that's a really um, funny one because I fought, I didn't fight against it, but I, I hadn't have, had a a lot of experience in reincarnation and that. So this was a, a big, and, and I had to have many a lesson on this to get where I am right now. It was not an in, in, instantaneous um, thing for me to take on. So in fact, I, I, I call it, I put it on my mind shelf and I needed more and more um, dream experiences and spirit school for me to really understand reincarnation. But we were, uh, I was with this other soul on the other side that was slated, um, I was slated to be his mother. And so the decision for him of his body choice to come to this world um, had a lot to do with me and who I chose um, to father him. And we had to be in, in an agreement. Now, when we're choosing a body type, um, you know, we're, we're there with not ego. They're, you know, we're not looking for you know, the prettiest face or the, you know, whatever hair color or height or weight or anything. We're looking for the best vehicle to, um, to propel us into what we've chosen as far as our um, adversities and what that we were going, that we want to learn from. We've chosen, you know, a, a, a deformity or, um, you know, some kind of a deficiency or something so there were a number of different body choices that, that he could take on. 
for whatever his life choice was to be. And we were looking, we were kind of on a scaffolding overlooking some tables that had a sheet drop, uh, draped across them and a, and a large chain medallion. It had a different color stone on this medallion. And when we, when we put our attention to one of the, the representations of the body, and I'll say this again in case I forget, but this was, this isn't exactly how it's done on the other side. This is the metaphor that was given me for me to come back, for me to understand in my limited um, human capacity to understand this huge um, co co complexity of choosing a body. And so when we looked at one, um, the green stone lit up and what we saw was a representation of the particular mix of DNA um, that this body would probably look somewhat, you know, because how brothers and sisters, everybody kind of differs, they're kind of the same but different. This wasn't an exact replica, replica of the body, but it was a, a good idea of, of what that body would look like, what um, possibly um, where uh, the parents would, um, where you would be born, what schools you might attend, what your attribute, attributes would be physically or mentally. And we went down the line and the second uh, uh, body, basically the medallion lit up to an, a big red stone and same thing. And as I was waking um, from this dream experience, I call him a dream experience. Um, he was choosing the black stone and I just remember as I was coming out and coming back from spirit school that I had so much pride in his choice that I knew, in fact, I even said, oh boy, here we go. Um, he had uh, decided to take on a lot. And I, I say with all, uh, with a mother's love, you know, that this kid is special and he has taken on a lot, but he's, he's doing it. <laughs> So that was really an interesting spirit school for me, answering a big question of, of our, you know, how finely woven this tapestry is of life and how the planning, how, how big it is, because it includes ancestry and, you know, what parts of the world and, you know, how to, how to bring people together. And, um, and then our, again, our free will. If we just go, and eh, you know, I didn't want to, I don't want to choose that guy, then, you know, my son would have had to make some real quick adjustments there. Yeah. Speaking about free will, that's fascinating. That's just fascinating, Claudia. Justin has a great question about that. Do you want to come on camera, Justin? Do you want me to put you on spotlight? Thumbs up if you do. I'm sorry. Absolutely. Why not? <laughs> Do you want to ask Claudia your question? Sure. Uh, just because you had uh, mentioned uh, free will a couple of times. And I guess some, something I struggle with sometimes when I think about uh, parallel universes and um, I guess the saying, everything that uh, has happened uh, it is happening or will happen. Um, you know, do you, I guess, how much do you believe in free will? I guess obviously you do, but to what degree? um saying that like if in a parallel universe only one thing had to change because that would just leave that other person without a choice like the other you that yeah sense? yeah no okay. the 
the complexities and and I, I mean literally it it's uh, when you talk about parallel universes and and understanding um, time because it's so linear here and it's like suddenly mm-hmm. we're we're being taught and it's like that that there's no time and that we're probably in um, other timelines as we speak right now and it's like your head just wants to explode I mean I play there at night and go you know how you know because there seems to be well even in spiritual progression it seems like when I was talking about you know 10 books 10 journals ago you know it's like and who I am now there what there is a progression so is that not in a time chain you know and and I do I I just and I do my brain sometimes just goes you know trying to (laughs) incorporate it but I do I was shown um free will it trumps everything it we we were given this life and this this golden beautiful wonderful gift um of love from creator and and our opportunity to give service because that's how we want payback we want to pay back creator in service to creator and so it's but but our number one thing is you know what we can always say "Mm, you know no um i'll share a little personal thing that happened uh oh it's been a couple months ago but i had an opportunity my family doesn't know this but they don't listen to these anyway so (laughs) but i awoke it was 2017 and I was in the middle of writing a book and I had you know, just little brand new few month old grandchildren. And I woke up to a vortex in my room, a golden vortex. And jump in. And I got like, you want me to somewhere? You know, I'm in, I, I, you know, I'll jump in. But I, uh, but, and I was told that it would mean, uh, a rapid spiritual advancement that there were seven that were needed and that because of where I was within my mission in this world um, and my, my spiritual progression, it kind of, I guess the numbers came up that I, I could be one of the, those seven, but I immediately went, but what about my book and what about my grandkids? And as soon as I did that, it was like that opportunity was gone. And I, I was trying to say, you know, I will if you don't think of anybody else. You know? But the reason I tell this story is because I've had COVID twice. I've been in the ICU. I have hair now. I was practically bald a year ago. So a um, lot of wonderful um, healing. And I woke up from a dream. And I was tired, you know, I was sick. I'd been sick for almost three years, COVID twice. And, uh, you know, it was one of those, I just wanted to go home. I remembered the magnificence. I was tired and just wanted to go home. And as I woke, I was, guess I was being told I wasn't yet. I'm not sure what the, uh, what our argument was, but I woke up kind of hot. <laughs> I was like, cause I was telling them I wanted to go home. And the response was, you're the one that keeps raising your hand. So they put it back on me, why I'm still here, why I know I have fulfilled my mission at least once, 
but I keep raising, raising my hand. <laughs> so I guess I'm going to be here a while. And that's my free will. I, I, uh, yeah. Oh, I, I, I missed the bit because of technical problems. You said that you saw this magnificent light and I just missed the sentence or so after that. And then you said, and then I was one of seven. And then I got that bit. What happened between the... This vortex, and I had—I was in a small bedroom. I could barely fit the nightstand on the side of the bed. It was kind of angled. So to have this huge, enormous vortex, it was with like gold on the outside. And it was like, you know, when you go to a amusement park and there's the barrel, the kind of turning barrel, I could see, uh, I could see slow turning of others. I think there were three in the, in that particular tunnel just kind of just floating about, but, you know, not all the way through, but just in there. And I was being invited to join them as seven that were being called uh, for whatever reason, I don't know. And because of where I was in my age, my, my almost, I had not accomplished my mission, but I was close to, so it was one of those and in my um, openness, my spirit, you know, where I was in advancement of my spirituality, that I could have been one of the seven. But as I, I kind of went, ah, I've got all these things going, you know. Oh, okay. So the seven being called were the seven people incarnate in physical bodies that were being called called, called yeah. home, called home, like being right. like because I was ready to jump in. I'm a I'm right. a volunteer. I'll do it. But I was told, no, you will be leaving your body behind. And I kind of, oh, I see. Oh, well, what about my book you want? And you guys are the ones that wanted me to write the book. You know, I'm telling the light, you know, aren't you, aren't you guys the one that wants me to write this book? And I was kind of like, I'm, I'm like halfway finished. (laughs) Give it a minute. (laughs) You know, I really wanted, I'm back trying to summit. I'm, you know, crawling towards the summit again. And, um, you know, I wanted to finish and I was given that opportunity. And for okay. whatever reason, now through all the COVID stuff and that, I, I mean, I remember you. being at a crossroads and I wanted to go home. But so you're saying, Claudia, that free will, we also have free will when we die. Because mm-hmm. even in the conversation last night I was having with people, we were talking about, well, you die when you die. There were some people saying that, you know, they've seen their parents and they've seen other parents get old and decrepit and go into uh, uh, you know nursing homes and have no quality of life and they they live for years five ten years with no mm-hmm. quality of life and then some young person will just drop dead and and we were kind of talking about well you die when you die you know like the soul has decided that you're going to exit the matrix when you exit the matrix but what you're saying is that you've got free will that you can stay if you want to is that what you're saying so if if you um decide on another mission if you because you as you were saying earlier when we go to sleep at night it's like you know what something is not quite finished i need to help this child get to another level or something i'm not ready to go um i i think there is a kind of a court of elders so to speak because it's not a whim thing because Mm -hmm. there's still again, that weaving and planning. So I think it's something that's, um, you let know, and there's a consideration for mm-hmm. it and what the outcome could possibly be that would be, okay, this will be beneficial 
if you stay and it won't upset the apple cart. So if you do stay another few years or whatever, but yeah. I wanted to say something, ha having been a, a hospice volunteer, mm -hmm. watching some of these people where it's like, you know, uh, getting down to 70 pounds that they, they don't even have blood vessels left to even inject pain medication or anything. It's like, why are they still here? You know, it's that, and when we look, when we use our human eyes to look at a situation of this person, they were a good person, you know, why would they be going through this horrible misery? Why would God not take them home? Can you imagine to have lived all of those years and gone through so much of this suffering to get to right to this point and not fulfilling a contract that you had with a parent, a, a, a child, a caregiver, an offering of service, because when someone gives service in a healing situation, somebody has to be sick. Somebody had to say, I'll go down and, and put my body through it all the way to the end, because it gives a gift for the person serving that person, you know, uh, they're you know, a child or someone at the end of their bed, at, at, at their growing spirituality in, in dreaming the dreams or seeing them go through the visions of the other side or whatnot, what that's doing for the person sitting at the side of the bed, that's their mission. They got all the way to that point. So it's like, you know, it sounds like such a hard thing to say, God doesn't know what he's doing or he would take that person home. And it's like, no, they're, they're here because they're supposed to be right up till that very end. Yeah. That, yeah, absolutely. I, I'm, I'm getting some clarity on, on this whole subject. Um, so with the free will choice, you know, do we have exit points that are planned before we come and we're going to die when we die? Cause we've put it in the contract or can we stay or go? So what I'm getting is, um, when you're finished what you've come to experience here from mm -hmm. your you know soul's desire perspective you you can you can exit the matrix done you know mm -hmm. the, experienced the separation and, and and had the forgiveness or didn't have the forgiveness or whatever we choose but if you stay to be a part of the because especially now i think in our time frame mm -hmm. maybe different in history but what we're going through in this shift if you stay to be a teacher like you mm -hmm. or um, to be of service to humanity to help humanity evolve then you've got a choice to stay because Michael Tamora said the same mm -hmm. thing he died five times and um, in his first NDE he was talking to these enormous angels he said these enormous beings on the other side and they're saying you know you've done everything that you came to accomplish you, you did so well you did better than we could imagine you don't have to go back and he said to them would me being in a body be more benefit to people that are still on earth than being a spirit teacher a spirit guides and that he said that resoundingly the people all said yes being in a body is so much more potent than um, being a spirit and so he said oh well, I'll, co I'll go back and you know okay. I'll go back and then he died like four more times after that and he still kept coming back <laughs> <laughs> like like the movie Friday, they just keep getting back up. <laughs> hard to kill. It's real hard to kill. But uh yeah, so I guess that if you if you do choose to 
now be you know don the teacher be the teacher then you have free will to stay or go like yeah yeah well and and uh, at one time in spirit school i had an opportunity to be given what my what my gift would be in this lifetime i've written it in the book and i don't want to get into the whole story because it involves my sister and that and and i don't want to just make it a sharp short little thing but at one point we um we were being given our gifts and i witnessed her being given her gift but i couldn't hear it i didn't know what she was getting but when mine came it as the words were being presented um that i would be able to um communicate with the dead and that i was to be a bridge of communication between both worlds when those were those words i could hear them but i they also carried weight i could see them and they were floating in front of me and as they entered into my mouth i every one of those uh, letters of that word had a different taste and feel it was the most amazing um to take on that gift in a physical way within a lucid dream it was it was um it was pretty amazing but that that gift of all of us and every one of us that are here are because we're seekers we are bridges we are fulfilling that contract because there are many of us that did that, that didn't get to come here during this time you know it's like this is like karen was saying this is an amazing time to be here and and there were so many that were like i want to go i want to go i don't know what what uh, golden ticket you got had to have to, to get here now as we're all commiserating of being here right now but i uh i asked my mother and i'll i'll, I'll share this um some things are so personal but i just feel like i'm just in the greatest living room with you guys and sharing so the other night I, I used to be able to communicate very easily with my mother when first she passed this is not my mother's fault i've gotten busy i've gotten earth busy i got a lot of really wonderful lessons i know that those whom I was learning from my sister and my mother would come back any time that I asked them, but I don't think of it anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of doing, I'm on my roll. I'm kind of doing my thing. And the other night I was like, oh, you know, I haven't talked to my mom in a really long time. I wonder if she's, you know, still there. I was testing the waters and it took a bit longer. Um, I don't know whose fault that was. Of course I do. It was my fault, <laughs> but what came through was not that ease of conversation that I write about in my books where it was complete sentences and and it it was harder drawn out and but I got five words the first one was time now stay show way that's what my mother sent me just a few nights ago and I don't know if I can see it here. Um, years ago, when I was teaching, uh, I, I took a young uh, group, a church group camping. They had these, you know, camp sites for they called them the young women or whatnot. And one of the gifts that one of the students there, one of the gals in an art class, she made me a necklace out of a knot from a tree, a knot of wood. And she wrote across it, teacher. And I have kept it 
I don't know, you know, at the time, I mean, I was, you know, mom of five kids and, you know, I, I just didn't see myself as a teacher, but it meant something at the time that I've kept it on my desk for 50 years, I mean, practically, this little knot of wood with this girl's little scribble saying teacher. And um, I think we come in knowing that's kind of, kind of our purpose, kind of our, what we're supposed to be doing. That's beautiful. Yeah. Well, I say that I'm the teacher of teachers and that everyone that is attracted to the work that I put out, everyone, including everyone that watches the YouTube or the um, listen to the audio podcast, you're all teachers, but we, we, we don't have to think about teacher as somebody that stands in a class, you know, at the top of a classroom, a teacher is someone that has experiences and shares their knowledge with others. It can be over you know, conversation in a dinner party, like last night or, on a zoom meeting like this and yeah we're all teaching each other we're all reminding each other of uh, who we are of the way home you know home doesn't mean you have to die to go home home is embodying that same frequency that same feeling while you're still incarnate yeah we're all teachers reminding each other of the way home um i want to also address what you were talking about with the um people in the nursing homes um, and yeah, because it was a conversation that we were having last night to see someone in such poor condition, you know, just a corpse in a bed and being fed and really have no quality of life sort of hurts your soul, doesn't it? But I've, I've had that question often with spirit because it, yeah, like, why would you choose to do that when you can so easily just leave your body and go home? And just what you were saying, Claudia, that, you know, that experience is, is not only the experience for the person the soul incarnate in the body but the family around them giving them the experience of care like helping them look after another and if they're in nursing homes so I think helping the nursing home people look after another and like a baby when you're in that stage of life there's not a great majority of the percentage of your soul incarnate like you're more out of the body than you are in the body function and eat and talk and look up and, and doesn't necessarily mean that the consciousness is inside the body. The consciousness could be flying out, you know, having parties in spiritual coma or not trapped in that body. Right. Yeah. Babies are the same. You see them. I remember mm -hmm. seeing this with my daughter, um, a bit like we were talking about with Angela. She would kind of just, her eyes would glaze over and then she'd be sitting up, looking around, talking, but no one home, no one mm -hmm. home. It's like she wasn't in her body. And then mm. maybe a loud noise would bring her back into her body. But, you know, like that's why babies sleep so often because it's hard being squished into a tiny little body yeah. when you've got this expansive soul. And so we come in for these short periods of time and then we sleep and exit and then we come and then sleep. But it's so it's the old age and the young age too where we're not so much in the body, you know, we're not trapped in the body our consciousness exactly. our soul is flying free even when the body is awake and, and operating yeah so it's you not know, as dramatic as we think it you is you were mentioning something uh, again in in the hospice or hospital or you know why they are hanging on and i'll give you a, a quick story as i so i used to have a clipboard of the patients and i would walk down the hall because i i uh, i had i wore a a vest that called myself a friend in faith, non-denominational, just there to, to be there, to be another body, to hold hand, to read a story, whatever. 
And I went into a gentleman's room and was reading story to him. I used to read, uh, you know, near-death experiences. I'd pick out the juicy parts, you know, the things that would make them excited to go back home. And this man, I, as I say, he, he probably didn't weigh 70 pounds. His legs were uh, like a navy blue. There were so many bruises and broken blood vessels. There was just nothing left to him. And he, as he laid there um, and I was reading to him, his family came in. And they came in and stood clear across the room. And I was like, oh, no, no, I'll, I'll leave. And they were like, no, please stay. Please continue. And they were almost as far away in the room as could possibly be. And I, and I stayed in red till there was a point of conclusion. And I, I, we, I started asking them questions because I would, could just feel that there was a rift in that family. Why hadn't they come over and taken his hand or you know, brushed his hair a little bit or whatever, given my kiss hello on the cheek or you know, something while I was there. And when they encouraged me to stay, but they still stayed so far on the side of the room, I went, okay, something's going on here. And I started, uh, the, I started to say, you know, this, uh, we, we were talking about his years in service in the military and the daughter brought over a picture and hanging on the picture were many medals. He was very decorated uh, individual. And she just said, yeah, he was a man's man, all right. You know, he, you know, did everything for the military, whatever the daughter was saying this and the tone of her voice and whatnot. I went, oh, there's, there's the issue. As the, as the wife, I felt like she was kind of middle. She was between the husband and the daughter and had probably been there their entire existence between this rift of father and daughter. And, and so what was the reason that this man hung on as in the middle of our talking he reached up in his bed and he just started knocking and it just brought us to tears how he was you know looking to go home but why he hadn't quite yet and i just i stood and i said i'm going to take my leave now and i said obviously he's here for a reason he's waiting for something I said, I feel like there are things that need to be said here. I said, if you're mad, shout at him, yell at him, let him know how you feel while he is here, rather than letting him go and not and missing that opportunity. He is possibly asking for forgiveness. Uh, you know, try, you know, let him know, let him know your hurts. And I left as I, I stood in the hallway and kind of talked to one of the nurses for a minute and I could hear commotion in that room and thought, okay, it's going down. <laughs> it is going down. And later that evening, I, as I was get, going to bed, I thought about him and wondered if they had reached a conclusion. And it was just a little bit as I was kind of falling asleep and you're in that wonderful twilight between wake and sleep so many wonderful things happen right there. I saw this man in his uniform with his medals and he gave me a, a little salute and I knew he was saying thank you for having him be able to accomplish what he needed to do before he got to go. 
So that's one of the words I wrote down today is service. It's really important to offer service in one way or, I mean, look at what Karen does, you know? <laughs> I'm Don't, bringing you're this. killing me here. I'm, I'm balling. <laughs> I love it. Because that's so, it's so real, girl. You know, the tears are so real. That is such a beautiful story. That is yeah. such a beautiful story. I love that you said, you know, don't give him love, like yell at him. If you want to yell at him, yell yeah. at him. <laughs> <laughs> if that's what needs to be done, yell at him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't wow. know. I used to really tune in. I used to call it my angel on my shoulder. That was, I walked down those halls. Oh, you know what I'm supposed to do. And there were rooms that I didn't enter. Sometimes I'd just, you know, just go home and not, you know, I'd see two or three and, and not the others. It was, you know, whoever needed it. Apparently you, you, it. you know, what you're doing, Claudia, is so important. And uh, I want you to do more spirit schools. I want you to do more of this. You've got to get set up your own Zoom. Maybe Kristen can help. You can get to you gals get together. What do you I think, think we could cause some trouble, girl. <laughs> <laughs> but because, uh, you know, the you could get people to read the books and then and then discuss some of the chapters in the books. Yeah. Like, open, like have like a book club because there's so much. That, um, we haven't even scratched the surface. I know. Of and what I, I try been... and hit, what, what should we talk about and then. Whatever comes out is what we were supposed to talk about. You know? Well, absolutely. And I think what we've talked about too is, is being of service, being of service. Because, you know, as I said, I attract the teachers. Um, even when people argue with me, they go, no, I'm not a teacher. I'm not a teacher. <laughs> like, if you're talking to me, you're a teacher. You're a teacher. Um, <laughs> my, little, my little wood cork teacher. You, you, whatever, me... whatever label you give yourself, you can call yourself a shaman. Oh, you can call teacher. yourself a Starseed, you can call yourself a difference maker, or you can call yourself human. Doesn't matter. I don't know if you can see. Is that oh, your teacher? It's all my teacher. Oh yeah, lovely. Teacher. Look at her teacher. And the, just this little knotted from Lisa, just simple. And this thing has been with me since she gave it to me in 1980. Oh, I want to say 84 has been oh. with me all this time. So somewhere I knew I was supposed to be a teacher, and I. Yeah. Uh, are we getting towards the we uh, are get, we are oh, getting towards the end i want to ask a bit more about what you learned at spirit okay school. and then i, I have to, i want to end with then you go oh, okay but yeah. when i was 12 we had this nanny to my father's second wife she'd had a baby we had this live-in nanny a girl from england and uh she said you know can i read your palm i didn't know what the hell she was talking about and i said yeah i stuck out my palm i didn't know what this girl was going to do but she said the same to me she said three things that's devastated me she said You'll be a teacher when you grow up, which I thought meant maths teacher and to a oh. dyslexic kid who hated school. That was the yeah. worst thing that exactly. anyone could say. Yeah. And then she said, you know, you'd get married at this age and you'd have a baby at that age. And, um, yeah, but, yeah, I think that, you know, the connotation of teacher, we've got to understand what a teacher is. Uh, yeah, like we're all teaching each other. But I wanted to ask you what what was the most explosive thing that you learned in spirit school that really sort of blew your mind that really changed your life? Oh, probably too many to mention really. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. One, one of them. Yes. Yeah. Because it, it came in increments. I, I didn't have the big aha. They, this, I, I'm living in aha now, but <laughs> for a while it took a lot to get me there. 
And one of them, it's hard for me to explain. I'm not a mechanic, obviously, but I saw something that looked like a metal slinky, right? The, the round uh, metal slinkies. And it was stretched apart and it had, oh, just like a little nugget of something humming, part of the engine. Each, each within each little slinky frame was an individual cog shall we say, in, in each frame. And they were all humming at the same level. And what I was shown was that we can't leave anybody behind. That in order for this machine to work perfectly, we all have to be humming in our own little individual hub and cog of this machine. These were real, it wasn't a cog, it was us, but it was shown to me as, as that little nugget thing. And there's no, there was a movie, oh, I don't know, 10 years ago, Idiocracy or something like that. Just a, a film that was just dumb, but it was about being dumb and how this, um, the dumbing down of the world, they went, you know, they were left in time or something and, and ended up in the future and the world was really dumb when they came, when in the future, it had just been dumbed down so much. And it, I went to sleep that night with, and got this dream of the cogs and the voice that said, um, no one shall be left behind. So it's really important in these days when we just think someone on Facebook is just being an idiot. <laughs> it's like, wait, I mean, we can't discount them, you know, they're a part of us. They're a part of God. We can't, we all are, are looking to get back to God and no one is, you know, we, we have to rise together. And um, so that was one of my biggest ahas in spirit school was no matter how much I study, no matter how many of these meetings and seekers and everything out there, you know, it's like, there's gotta be, there's got to be at least a planting of curiosity for those out there who are that don't realize they're seekers and, and that we don't realize we're teachers. But if we live an example in our life, we're going to affect a lot of people. <clears throat> that was one of my ahas. That, yeah, we're, it's so synchronistic. It's almost like we're repeating the conversation I had last night. Oh, wow. Um, a friend of mine is um, transitioning. He has cancer, and uh, he. We've been messaging each other on on Messenger, and he doesn't he, he doesn't line up with any, any of my views. So he knows he's going to die. He's terrified of dying, but he doesn't believe in life after death. Mm. <laughs> and he doesn't want me to tell him about it. Like he's really like, I don't want your views. I don't want you to talk about your spirit guides. I don't believe you. I don't believe. So we were having because people that were there last night knew him. We we're having this discussion last night. And I believe that, you know, if, if there are people that surround you that have these views, that is a perfect opportunity for someone to open their mind and to take in what's being offered. And yet, even when someone's dying of cancer, they can still put their walls up and say, no, I don't want to open my, I don't want to believe you because somebody was saying last night that, <clears throat> that she was talking to somebody about talking to dead people or the other side and, they, so, and she, that person said, nope. I don't believe in this stuff. Don't talk, talk to me about this stuff. I don't believe, I don't believe. And I'm like, if, if someone's in your life talking to you about it, 
that's your opportunity. Mm. You know, there you have that opportunity. And then you die and you ask questions like, why wasn't life easier? I say, how many people did we send to you? <laughs> like you were surrounded by your friends that all believe in this spiritual stuff and you said, no, I don't want to know. Like, like the roofer whose pants got caught on a nail and he was like right. waiting for Jesus or someone to come save him. It's like, wait a minute, we sent you the nail. <laughs> so you wouldn't fall. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We so when you were describing, <clears throat> when you were describing not wanting that information and you put your hands out hard, like fast and hard. No, no, there's a, strength in not wanting it you know like if i if i loosen up and let go then maybe my death will become real or something is kind of what i felt as you were saying that it's easy to just keep pushing away and i know people who um really they don't want to hear anything outside of their religious religious yeah that that's pretty much his stance yeah Yeah. and it's like it's and so it's fear-based yeah you know I don't want anything messing with the way I mm-hmm. was you know learned to feel that's and right. I respect yeah. that I mean I you know it's like that's we're just here planting seeds that going and, back to Justin that's free will that you yeah. have the will you have freedom to choose heaven or hell you have the freedom to be closed and you know not let anything in or to yeah. open we are yeah. free to believe or not to believe. We're free. Yeah, that's free will. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so yeah. <laughs> what did you want to finish with, darling one? You said you've got something you want to finish with. I just, well, we were, as we were talking about teachers, one of my spirit schools came to mind and I, I, I wrote to, to share at the end because there's a lot of discourse and stuff going in the world right now. And one of the things, as I woke up one morning, I was told, ask the question. It's what I heard, ask the question. But I had just woken from a really, uh, this amazing dream. And so I, I lay there and as I was formulating the question, I stayed within that dream state. And what was happening was, there was something, I don't know what it was, something miraculous was happening on the moon. And the differences of people here as, as uh, some people were looking up in absolute excitement that wanted to see what was happening with their real eye in real time. There were other people who jumped in their automobiles and raced to observatories to, to possibly get in line to look into the closest telescope that they could see to see what was happening on the moon. There were others that were going into their basement and dusting off telescopes and putting them in the, their yard and trying to gather and show their children. And there was one gal that, in, and she, in her life, I know her, you know, using her as a reference in the dream, because we do that. We use people as reference points, not necessarily that this was her, but this is her personality. She had just gone through a horrific divorce and child custody, and it was bad. And she had been fighting a battle for a really long time. But she, when any amount of spare time that she had, she would cl- go mountain climbing, trail climbing. She'd go to the to a lake or to an ocean or whatever. And she was constantly busy and using her mind and trying to heal from this horrific divorce. And so when I saw her, you know, I, I see her in that light of someone 
who is strong and who wants to know and is doing, you know, trying to heal and get better and, and doing the work themselves. And she, you know, and of course, this is in dream. So she grabbed some cylinder and was able to basically like cartoon light a match to it and have it fly to the moon. She was going to go on the moon, right? Here's all these different ways people were experiencing this miraculous event. This event, I, I shouldn't even say miraculous, whatever it, the event was, they were, some were ignoring it. Some were like, oh, this is a bunch of, you know, much ado about nothing. And some were finding ways to get to be right in the middle of it. And so when, as we're talking about teachers, what we what we need to understand, and especially in the world today, is that every one of us learn in a different way. You know, some of us it, suffering dyslexic and whatnot need pictures or story. You know, I'm a storyteller. That's my teaching tool. You know, there are others that can look at a formula on, a, on the blackboard and get it you know it's just we are all learning at our own individual levels with our own particular ways uh, of of learning and so i thought that was kind of a good way to you know give everybody their uniqueness it's there and recognize it and and you know they're doing their best within whatever it, whether it's fear fear of the thing that was happening on the moon or excitement, you know, yeah. we're all different. We're all different. Yeah. Beautiful. What a beautiful message to end with. Yeah, that's exactly why I do the shows. You know, I'm a teacher, but uh, we all, you know, learn so differently and, and hear. So, so as I present all these different experiences and stories and different people and they teach differently and they use different words, it's like we're all repeating the same message but in so many different yeah. ways. And so the more people I put on the shows and present in the inner sanctum, it gives that vast scope of people to hear the message over and over again in a way that it can sink in and you can really embody it and live it as your truth rather than just understanding it as something that you understand understanding yeah. something and living something is really different right yeah I was, you know i was telling you about the guy that had cancer last night that um he had had a spiritually awakening experience and he says he's he has no suffering anymore because suffering's in the mind and he lives in the present moment now and i said do you think that your cancer journey because he's doing the chemotherapy and do all that sort of stuff do you think that that's an opportunity to actually live what you know and he goes yes mm. you know to can i happy sick and and not suffer yeah can, anyway i said to him oh i'd love to put you on the show he's never shared his experience with anyone yeah. before he doesn't normally talk about it but um yeah and i said i want to put your experience on the show but yeah so we learn through listening to everyone's experiences beautiful thank you so much claudia you're awesome thank you for all thank you for inviting me i've been looking forward to spending more time with you Such you a are awesome i love what you're doing you're just an amazing human being thank you so much for for being uh with us on the show um there was a question from narelle on on youtube talked about what is witchcraft but i think that might have to be a question for another time because we're going to end the live now and thanks, everyone, that has been Hi. watching us live. And uh, do you thanks, have a Claudia. Thanks, Karen. Thank you. Do you. Do you have a website, Claudia? What's your website? Uh, yes, ClaudiaEdge.com. I've got lots yes. of videos and blogs and my stories. I just keep coming up with new ones. So they're all on there. <laughs> Perfect. Okay.
Big uh, love to everyone. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you, guys. Okay, I've, I've stopped the live stream now. There you are. Oh, it's a little group today. Thanks, everyone, for joining. <laughs> Thanks, Brady. Thank I don't you know for having us. Brady, thank you. Okay, we'll talk soon. Goodbye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> she was closing. She was yeah, closing. I was like... <laughs> <laughs>